In these unprecedented times, you may feel helpless or alone, but in your community, people are coming together to spread kindness. We're Viral Kindness Scotland, a project launched to help vulnerable people struggling with self-isolation. We're calling on volunteers to help vulnerable people in your community. You could pick up their shopping or simply offer a supportive phone call. Whether you're an individual, organisation or local business, whether you need help or know someone who needs help, free phone 0800 052 2282 or see viralkindness.scot. Viral Kindness Scotland, connecting communities. Audio Frontier. This is Football Daft with Stephen Purden. Midfield Dynamo and average actor. Chris Toll. Target man. Suspicious character. And... Welcome to Football Daft, the daftest Scottish football podcast around. I'm Stephen Purden and let's welcome the team. First, a man who this week was pied off of Kieran Tierney, Scott Brown and Peter Crouch after inviting them on the show. It's Chris Toll. What's happening, troops? Fucking... It's a good effort. Listen, I tried my best. You did, it was a good effort. You know what? I'm not going to give up. No. Until until either of them unfollow me, I'm going to pester the life of them. But did he follow you as well? Yeah. Scott Brown and Tierney. Ah well, Tierney does. I was, I was pissed on Scott Brown's brother. What a fucking, <laughs> what a, what a pain in the ass I'm at. Fuck it. Look, I've, I'm very, very conscious of the fact that quite a lot of the guests that we've had on have been Rangers centric, right? I'm trying to branch out a wee bit here, and I'll tell you what, I get some fucking news today, boys. And see next week. See next week, the Celtic fans that watch this are listening to this, and the ones that don't yet are going to be listening in, because what a fucking guest I've got coming on next week, boys. What I'm a guest. I'm looking forward to it, mate. Yeah, there you go. Did he hear that? Now welcome a man who's been so bold in isolation, he shaved his barnet. Grado. I just was fed up, man. I was like, I used the I used the the clippers that I usually use to trim my buzz, and I says, "Hey, <laughs> get pulled into my head with this, right into the bed. I'm no fear, because it's going to be a long time before we get our skin fades and all the rest of that." So that's what I was thinking, mate. Oh. When I see you in Panto, obviously we share a dressing room, and I seen a photo of you with nae nae hair, man. It reminded me of your old Davina McCall's man, always pure short, man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> nae hey, hair there at all, mate. But the, you know what, Bob, the worst thing ever, I shave my head, which reveals all these scars I've got for the wrestling. The next day, I got asked to do a self-tape audition for a part on CBBS as a magician. <laughs> so, fuck, how, fuck knows how I'm going to get that with a head like this, man. <laughs> so what he's been doing, that's another week in isolation, what he's been doing. Sunderland till I die. I have actually, honestly, I've been counting down the, the the days and the hours till this comes back. And I rifled through it yesterday, Bob. The oh, first, yeah. oh, I may I. The first series I loved it. The star of the show was Martin Bain. He's been replaced by this geezer, Charlie Methven, who is a total David Brent. God, I mean, he takes her, I, mean, I don't want to spoil it for folk, but I mean, he takes her the club, and like, Wani's first ideas is to change the entrance music to the players coming out, so he's got like a, a, a 
a nineties Ibiza trance song, and he's standing in the middle of the park, imagining it and all this, and everybody's looking at his, looking at him as if he's stupid. But the the, the the best bit about it, the best insight, is the January transfer window. Now, again, I don't want to spoil it for folk, but oh my god, it's pure cringe. They've they've put in a bid for Will Grigg. They're going to, basically Wigan want a million. He goes to one point two five. Shows you the phone call between Jack Ross and the owner, and Jack Ross has gone, look, he's no worth any more than a million. Don't go to 1.25. Do not go to 1.25. He's no worth that kind of money. Five years later, the fucking chairman buys him for three million going on to four. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that. And of course, does he score? As he fought, he's, I think he scored a penalty. I think he scored about two goals between the rest of the, rest of the season. So if there's MD out there, well, there's be plenty of folk out there that are bored out their nuts and they're wanting something to watch. Get that Sunday until I die on, man, because it's mega cringe. You've got to feel sorry for the club, I know, but like, it's, it's brutal the way they've been ran for the past how many years now? These boys had good intentions buying it out. It shows you they really, I mean, that guy didn't they want to part with three million for Will Grigg, but he'd done it because he knew... The fans would be on his back that there was no signings, you know. He could have sat in his ears. How has how he managed to get for Wigan wanting a million to him oh, fucking spending four million? Crazy. At that point in time, Rangers were interested in him, remember? Aye, well, Greg, well, Greg's on fire. It always makes me, me think how good would it have been, or maybe no good, if there was, you know, like a documentary following Rangers for Craig White, buying a moor, Charles Green, they two brothers... What a fucking series that would be, yeah. I wouldn't be watching me. No. That would be in the comedy section on Netflix. <laughs> Let's just move but on for that. That's great, I didn't think I'd have a use that. <laughs> I cannot believe Grado, Graham Stevely, just cut that out, John. Don't don't ever I want to hear a Rangers fan saying that, Grado, man. <laughs> I was fucking whiz, we were a shambles. I we don't want a fucking documentary get made about it. We get enough banter off, told and all that. You know what I mean? Cut that back out, actually. I cut that out. Aye, cut that out. I cut that out. Don't cut it out, John. John, John, don't even cut this out either. Don't cut cut out. I'm asking for it to be cut out. All right? (laughs) (laughs) What have you been doing? Being digestive, you fat shit. Nah, fuck you, you're right, at least I don't want a fucking AIDS victim, you cunt. Right, <laughs> 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 I want to put over. It was the CBB hang you had to sell tape for. It was a fucking remake of Philadelphia. It's had a What have you been doing? What have I been doing? Homeschooling. Homeschooling every day from nine to three. Doing a bit of pee with Joe Wicks in the morning with the kids. You've been playing you and Bob? Yes, we played the second match on Friday night and I beat him and he's went awfully, awfully quiet this week. He took it quite bad because the annoying thing is he won the first one and then we stayed on online, kept the stream going, he's celebrating and all that and then as soon as the final whistle went in our game and I beat him in extra time on Friday night, he just disconnected the full thing. That's totally you and you'll not see him for a week now. You will, that's... Aye, is, that, is that what you need to do to get rid of him and beat him at FIFA? <laughs> <laughs> That's Friday night's the decider, and then we'll see who the chat was. It was, it was a, I'd absolutely destroyed him, man. The scoreline flattered him, so I'm quite confident I will pull his breaks down this week. 
So this week on the show troops, it's Danish international and former Newcastle, Schalke and Rangers striker Peter Lovinkrans. Another Rangers player, yes! Well listen, at least we've went for the most handsome of them all. Do you know what I mean? No, we've not got Loudrup, we've got Lovinkrans. I take it you've not seen them standing together recently. Loudrup looks younger again. He's like the Benjamin. He will only have lost his looks. I mean, there's a, a few players that have lost their looks. I mean, Ali McCoy sees aged a bit. I mean, my mum used to always say every time Ali came on the, the telly when his assistant manager, my mum would always go, Oh, Ali, oh, look, he's losing Aye. his looks, isn't he? Aye. Oh, he's getting old. Oh, he's getting old. Oh, Ali, Ali, Ali. <laughs> Totally get that. Mum was like, Aye. I know. Aye. Oh, look, he's getting old. Oh, he's losing his looks. What's happened to you, son? Hope he doesn't. Hope he doesn't hear this. No, what happened to him? He took your angel's job. That's exactly true. It fucking is. I know. Is. Fucking, who's he taking that job, man? He fucking hit the dominoes and the hoagies. Big thing. <laughs> He thought I was in the hoagies. <laughs> well, come on. What a stressful, stressful job. Aye, that's true. The only person that I've seen rapid de- rapidly decline like that was Tony Blair. <laughs> <laughs> on the Legends Lottery, we had a mare last week. So we were given a replay. Chris was after Tommy Coyne. Grado oh. was after Crawford Bapti. And I was looking for Stefan Mahe, but have we been able to track them down? Mm. Plus your chance to win free beer and looking at your favourite football memorabilia after Chris revealed he has a belter stashed away. Right. Can't wait to hear that, Chrissy boy. And remember, if you have any random football banter for us, please get on the Twitter at Football Daft, Football Daft Podcast on Instagram, and just search for Football Daft on Facebook. Football Daft with G4 Claims. Been involved in a road traffic accident? Call them now on 01698 767 172. Hey, Chips, we all know we shouldn't be out on the road unless we're gone for essentials. You can't even visit your granny, your da, anybody like that. You've only got them in WhatsApp or whatever else. Do not go on the road. But if you do go on the road and you're getting yourself involved in a traffic accident and it's not your fault, G4 claims they can make it easy for you because I'll tell you what, they provide you with complete accident management support that you require. They're going to recover the costs from the at-fault party and they're going to sort you with a like-for-like vehicle replacement. You drive a Jaguar, then you're not going to end up with a Punto. They will organise your vehicle to be repaired at one of their approved body shops and return to yourself. Should your vehicle be deemed a write-off, They'll recover the pre-accident value for your car and write you a big fatty cheque. And best of all, it will only cost you a penny as they charge the at-fault parties insurance direct. G4 claims don't cold call. They don't buy data. Once they process your claim, your insurance will remain unscathed. Unscathed. Not a scar. Not a dot. And the best thing is, Nicole and the team over there, they will only take your case on if they don't think that they can help. So if you've been in a road traffic accident or know somebody that has, then get on to G4 Claims. That's 01698 767 172. Get them on the web. 
notatfaultclaim.com. That's all the one word. Or find them on social media at G4 Claims Limited. That's G4 Claims, not at Fault Claims. <laughs> Made easy. Football Dafts. Big question. So Tolly Boy here is revealed to us a belter. You like Tolly Boy? I like that. Tolly Told you like that. Jobby Boy. Tolly Boy. Listen to you. <laughs> I don't know what I'm coming back with there. Listen to you. Pardon. <laughs> <laughs> So, the Trollmeister has revealed to us a belter of a bit of football memorabilia that he's fun this week. Chris, tell the listeners. It's not that fun this week, mate. It's just that it's something that, um, that me and my dad procured a few years back. Um, it's in it's in a glass case and it's in, basically it's in its own isolation in a wee lockbox somewhere. Um, a lot is into the story, right? So, we used to have a pub on the Royston Road, right? And uh, it's a big, big Celtic pub, and a lot of a lot of the Celtic fans were all the older guys were were kind of uh, frequenting the pub on a Monday for the Monday club kind of thing. And there was this one guy that came in, and he would run a tab, and he'd run a tab every week, and there was no chance of getting this money back off him. So he says, he says to my dad and me, he says, "Listen, I'm not going to be able to gaze the money for the tab. It was quite, it was a fair bit of money that he owed us, right? So." He came back and he says, I've got this for you. And he handed my dad an envelope with a bit of paper in it. My dad opened it up and it was the it was a contract that Bertie Peacock signed. Now, Bertie Peacock was the captain of the Celtic team that beat Rangers 7-1 in the League Cup final. And he was also um, the Northern Ireland captain as well. And it's not only is it signed by Bertie Peacock, it's also signed by uh, Jimmy McGrory. And it's signed by Jock Steen as well. So this is a once in a lifetime. This is there's no more of these. There's absolutely no more of these. So my dad seen it and he knew that it was worth a fair bit of money. He's like, listen, right off the right off the tab, here's a hundred quid as well. Get yourself some drinks a day and that, and squared the old boy up for it. And do you know what? It, it ended up getting valued at a hell of a lot more money, man. Than, than what my dad had thought it was. So, um, I don't know. <laughs> the last time we got it valued, it was valued at seven grand, <sighs> and that that was that was valued by um, the the auction house and and at Govan. See, just around the corner of the Ibrox, actually. Um, they right. they valued that in there, so it was valued at seven grand. And I was I was we were on two minds whether or not to sell it because it's a it's a kind of wee nest egg for them. Do you know what I mean? But we have written that's been going on. Uh, recently, we've uh, yeah, I've, I've spoke to him, and he's he said if we can if we can find a buyer, then it's uh, they can have it for for whatever the, the valuation is now. I don't know if it'll still be valued at seven, but um, that was when he was still alive. Bertie Peacock's died since then, so you know it's not as if you're going to get many more autographs at him. <laughs> uh, that's uh, interesting, but mate. So, what, what do you what do you think you do? Where does it where does it hang? What do you? Well, it's a, do you know what it was? It was in the house, right? My dad had my dad had made my old bedroom when I moved out. He had made it into a bar, right? And it's it's cracking, man. It's a bit. It's like a big Celtic bar, but obviously used to wouldn't like it very much. But it's got a lot of absolutely phenomenal memorabilia in it. It's got the last ever official uh, painting that Tommy Burns signed before he died, as well. He's got he's got oh, loads. Of, he's got loads of stuff. 
honestly, and he had a full size replica European Cup as well. Uh, the exact same size. Ah! I full size replica, mate. I'll send you photos. Look at that, way, he got it made. He got it. He got it. He, no uh, he got it made. Aye, he got it made for That's himself. Amazing, man. Aye, but he, he sold that. He sold that a few years back. Um, but there's thing with it's honest to God, some of the stuff that he's got is amazing. So what we what we said was when I was telling John and yourselves about uh, about what I had previously, we wanted uh, the listeners to get back to his way some of the some of the best bits of memorabilia they've got or or uh, stuff that they know, like maybe their mates have got or something like that. And if they can yeah. give us the addresses and the phone numbers as well, we'll be make sure they take them off their hands. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably about two you feel must must be worth a few bobbies, you know? We- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a story about it, right? Um, obviously, we, what it was, it's like a, it's a, a part of Celtic folklore. You know what I mean? Genuinely, it's it. When you think about it, it's something. Ah, that it could be in a museum. It could be in museum. Exactly. So I contacted Celtic, and I said to him, "This was years ago." I said to him, "Listen, me and my dad are season ticket holders. We've come into um, a piece of merchandise for Celtic. We were wondering if you would, in return, we'll give you this contract if you give us season tickets for until it's time for us not to go to football anymore." That's a good shout. Celtic get back to us and says uh, we wouldn't be able to offer you season tickets, but we would be glad to take it off your hands for our, for our, uh, our museum for fucking nothing. For nothing. Oh, <laughs> fucking shit. I know. I know. Shite. I know. I know, man. That to- totally reminds me of the time as a way I wrote to Cadbury's to bring out a whisper coffee because they had got rid of um, the, the coffee How sweeties. It, well, just because I gave them the idea, you know, they were going down the road uh, a Whisper Golds, Whisper Mint, I think we had Whisper Bite, which was a crunchy one, and I said, what about uh, Whisper Coffee? Because they'd get rid of the rosy stuff. Whisper Chino, remember? No, they never. I did. Aye, Whisper Chino, aye. It was a coffee flavour. You're kidding me, on. What? It's like a cappuccino flavour. Fuck minding me up again. No. Did they steal your idea? Nah, nah, it's not coming up. Hold on! 1997's Waspacino! That's when I wrote the fucking Cadbury! I tell you! I fucking tell you! You are kidding me on me! I wrote the Cadbury's when I was winning! <laughs> and then, God, you bring it mind me up, it says 90. Mate, do you know that when when they replied, or they didn't even give me a bit of chocolate. All they did was all they did was give me a magazine about about the history of chocolate. They thought that's a good idea, and thought they right, give the boy a magazine, man, and we'll we'll run with that idea, man. This is horrific news, man. I fucking wrote to these bastards right. in the nineties when I was playing. Right, found? anyway, so I have um, I've got a signed Buffs um, Scottish Juniors Cup. Signed by Kerry Polini. Hey! Uh, that is in storage. That will not be going anywhere. I do have a signed picture of Nacho Novo um, when he's sliding on the grass and his knees after he scored the penalty in Florence. Recently got that Saf wee Billy. Billy Gilmer gave me his Champions Aye. League, Champions League um, tap with a with a badge. I'm just showing it now. There, That's one got... to keep me. Keep uh, that. I've got wee yeah. Billy's number. He never come on, but I mean, he was he was still on the bench. But that's a genuine Champions League tap. So you know, in years to come, if he does 
well, it's looking likely that he's going to have a very, very good career, man. This could be a fucking, it could be my mortgage, you know what I mean? That's your pension, mate. I've got Barry Ferguson's top set framed. The match worn top, he won the Scottish Cup final in 2002 when he scored the free kick. And it's signed. That's great. That's but great. That's, that, 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 that's... How never, did you come in that, mate? It was, a, it was a friend of a friend of Nicholas Da years ago who came across it, Gorex, he knows a lot of people who know a lot of people in through different Rangers boozers. He got it. Allegedly, it's match one and it's signed by him. But I've showed Barry it and he said, aye, it's his signature and all that. So. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's signed in there, man cave. Again, these are the things, man, it's good to have, but you'd, you'd feel like shit parting with stuff like that, wouldn't you? And oh, you'd, you'd, really, you'd really need to hit rock bottom before you wanted to take a patch some of this stuff away, wouldn't you? Running my mom dash house, I've got a signed Japan top, uh, signed by Nakamura. And fucking, I, 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 do you know what? I can't fucking find it. I've looked in the house. It doesn't matter, but you don't really rate him, mate. So. I know, it's not a Scottish and Clare jersey, you know what I mean? No, he, was a, he, was a, he was a good Intercontinental champion, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to read some of the listeners' ones out now? Aye. Let's do it. Right, Stephen Kelly has got a signed copy of John Gregg's autobiography from 1968. Wow, man, that must have been like one of the first aye. autobiographies. Really, man, that's, that's crazy. I would love to read that. Of Ian Milne's got a seat for the old White Hart Lane. That's, that's impressive, isn't it? Aye, yeah, I wonder how he got that. Aye, he's probably been his mate's been a builder on the site or something like that. He's just got finished it. Aye. David Lumsden says he's got a signed programme for the nineteen ninety eight Scottish Cup final. Wow, that's no. not got any good not memories for me, man. That was like no. one of the worst days of my life. Seeing Ali playing the last games and getting fucking horsed off hearts, that was horrific. Is that not Celtic Parker or? that made it all the sweeter. David no, David Kerr's caught a brick for the govern stand at Ibrooks, cracking doorstop when not on display. Where did he get that? I know. Where now? The next, the next guy's called oh. Richard Barber, right? He's got a cracker, isn't he? Name's Dick Barber. <laughs> <laughs> a sign match, warm cup, broadfoot, Rotherham top. <laughs> I'll be worth about 50 bar when he needs it. He's probably looked to fucking price after Overing Tap. He's probably fucking. That <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually reminds me. I remember years ago on eBay, right? Somebody was selling an autograph book with my name in the book. It was like an autograph book and it was only signed by me, right? On eBay. Aye. And it was worth two ninety nine. Two ninety nine. it was gone for. I thought to myself, I've actually fucking devalued the autograph book because the autograph book is probably a fiver. <laughs> Hammer <laughs> time, he says Mines would be a programme for the Estonia versus Scotland game in the game that never was. Member of the national backroom staff gave it to me. Remember that? That was weird, wasn't it? They just kicked off and then I kicked off, remember, and then when we actually we never got the points and then when we played oh. the game and we fucking drew with them and that's why we never get into that World Cup. Classic Fucking assholes. Never trusted an Estonian since. He falls right. I bought an Andy Gorham top in an auction signed to Robert from Andy. My name's Alan. 
Leon. Football daft with G4 Claims. Been involved in a road traffic accident? Get them now at notitfaultclaims.com. The Legends Lottery on Football Daft. Leon Football Daft have made it a, a purpose, a purpose and a mission to find the lost legends of Scottish football. The first week I had Joe Tortellano, I came up trumps, got Joe on the podcast, Joe was a, a great guest, wasn't he? Then we had Evo Den Beeman, Steve and you were charged with the, the mission to go and get Evo Den Beeman. Again, mm-hmm. you came up trumps. Since then, it's went a bit fucking pear-shaped, hasn't it, lads? We've <laughs> <laughs> made so, a right arse. Edo, you made an arse with Junior Mendes. Then mm-hmm. we, I made an arse with Hamish French. And then we all took one each and we all made stereo arses here. And the updates <laughs> are... Surround sound arses <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> so every, every, we've tried again this week to get them, um, lads. I'm going, to, I'm going to hold my hands up. Again, I've had a bit of a week. I've had some stuff on, as you know. But um, I tried I, I tried my two my two ins to get uh, Tommy Coyne. Now, one of them was Sean McLaughlin. He put it into a Clyde Bank fans forum to try and get contact with Tommy for me. To no avail. And uh, I tried with Big Sweeney, Gredo. Big Sweeney had texted me. Right. He was saying that he was a guy that he was working with, uh, knew Tommy. Unfortunately, since then, some shit's went down. He's not been able to go to work. And so that's out the window and all. So, uh, lads, I've tried my heart out, even with what I've had going on, but I hold my hands up and say I've not been able to get Tommy Coyne again this week, man. Um, what about yourself, Stephen? Uh, right. I feel... Do you know? Do you know something? I've let I've let myself down again this week, right? Because obviously, my wife, she works for the NHS, right? So she's been busy this week. She's been busy Monday up until today, constantly on the phone, doing bits and bobs. I've been homeschooling the kids, so I'm going to play my homeschooling card in my. Daddy 24-7 card and say that is took priority this week and I have not been able to track down Stefan Mahe. But but I think we're still we're still obviously in isolation. I think we should carry this on to next week again. And but I think I the thing is, this, this is then going to become a dead segment. <laughs> right. So we need we need to what about if we do something where we don't we just try and get a mystery guest on next week. Doesn't matter who it is, if we manage to get somebody to come on, what about that? You haven't even asked me about Crawford Baptist yet. Because we know what the answer's going to be, Grado. See if we had interrupted you and says, oh, we'll, we'll just carry this on you. That said, no, 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 uh, I've got Crawford Well, I sent a message <laughs> to Crawford Baptist last 26th of March at 13.42 and I wrote, is this the real Crawford Baptist? He's still no Reddit. He's still, I don't know if he's Facebook, he's been locked out, if he's forgot his password or whatever. So, right now, I'm just going to type here. Gredo, the real, Gredo the real. hold on, don't do that. Use Facebook what? Messenger and phone him. Oh! Right, like, 
Right, I'm doing it right now. Start See, Charlie, a Chrissy boy. Okay, hold on. To see Google Chrome. Facebook <laughs> call. See if we get him right, on your contact. Ah, uh, fucking unbelievable. Uh, I'll tell you what then, boys, right? It's, you make a valid point. We're in unprecedented times and these times of self-isolation. So the first person that comes in were cult hero. We're not going to do a draw. The first person to text me on the WhatsApp or and tell me that they've got someone for next week will get the point this week, all right? Right, right. That's fair enough. And it can be anyone. It has to, but the qualification is it has to be a cult hero from Scottish football, right? Okay, well, you can't have Bob Malcolm. <laughs> right, that's the deal for next week. I'm, I'm happy with that. You're, you're happy with that, boys? I'm happy with that. Graham, I am happy with that, mate. I'm happy with that. So that was your Legends Lottery for this week, guys. Moving on to next week. It's the- it's now time for a Beer 52 teaser. For your chance to win a case of beer, all you have to do is answer the question we put to you. Last week, we asked you to name 10 players that have played in the Scottish League but also won a Champions League winner's medal. We reckon there are 17 players. Andy Robertson, Van Dijk, Larson, Basil Bowley, Frank Sozzi, Frank De Boer, Ronald De Boer, Lino Gattuso, Fabrizio Ravanelli, Sergio Perini. Peter Van Vossen, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, Pedro Mendes, Edgar Jankuskis, Stefan Kloss, Paul Lambert, Roy Keane. Congrats to Deco, who was pulled out of the hat. So it's time for this week's teaser. Six players from Scotland who have scored hat-tricks in the English Premiership. Can you name one of them? That's a good one. Would you reckon, lads? Gary McAllister. Robert Snodgrass. Don't give the answers away, man. Right? Uh, okay. Winners must be eighteen and stay in the UK. Must be over eighteen and stay in the UK. And you can get free beer from Beer Fifty Two as well. It's a monthly subscription service for beer, which they source from some of the greatest small batch breweries around the world. They theme cases every month with previous teams, including Germany, South Africa, Korea. New Zealand and more. All you need to do is go to beer52.com slash daft and we can sort out free beers if you cover just £4.95 for the postage. You normally get eight, but as you're a football daft listener, we'll give you two extra free beers. So that's a total of 10 free beers. So just go to beer52.com slash daft. That's the word beer and the numbers five and two dot com to get your first case of 10 beers for free. Football daft with G4 Claims. Been involved in a road traffic accident? Call them now on 01698 767 172. Right, now it's time to welcome to Football Daft a Danish international who has played in the Bundesliga, the English Premiership and of course right here in Scotland. With over 100 appearances for Rangers, he is now a coach at the club. Please welcome Peter Lovenkrantz. How are you doing guys? Good man. How are you coping, big man? You scunner? Are you good? Nah, I'm okay. I'm actually enjoying it. To be fair, enjoying being home and uh, spend time with the kids and stuff. So it's quite good. Got a busy schedule when I'm coaching, so it's uh, it's quite nice. Aye, to be fair, I'd get. Does it work then? Get into Murray Park every day and all right enough. <laughs> Two. Might try hard a wee bit of professionalism in this interview here. Come on. The professionalism's out the window. I'm oh, sorry. This is a really big name for us on the show here. Come on. I know it is. I know it is. And listen, Peter, it's an honour to have you on, mate. But listen, 
You're not getting a wage clock free, I'll tell you that right now. That's all right, don't worry about it. I can take it. <laughs> Just ignore him. Good with Honol, you so, obviously, we're all stuck in the house. Yeah. You're the Rangers reserve coach. How are you keeping in contact with the club? How does it work? Is it stuff like this? Are you on Skype? Are you on Zoom? Are you Snapchatting folk? Are you TikToking the players? How are you keeping uh, that communication up during this period where everybody's in the house in lockdown? Um, we actually got a really good setup with the club. We are doing Zoom interviews, uh, not interviews, two, two Zoom chats, and uh, we speak to the players that way. We had the catch up doing, going through programs and stuff like that they need to do. and and we can still check their well-beings and how they are and uh, we do phone calls to make sure they're okay and um, they feel like a well-being in the morning so we know if they're feeling okay, if there's any problems or whatever it is um, and of course they got these things they need to do to keep themselves fit so yeah, we're on top of them and we're trying to communicate as much as we can. I so are the players like maybe like filming ourselves doing keepy ups and press ups and, and stuff like that and then sending it <laughs> into you just to kind of, <laughs> is that, like, how does it work, does it? No, they're not, not doing that though. They're not videoing themselves in any way like that. But we got kind of we got stats on them where we, through these apps where we can follow them if they're out doing jogs or doing runs, they get programs from our sports science guys and you know they they record how how much they're doing, how many k's they're running, and all the rest of it, so we can keep track of what they're doing and if they're up to scratch and keeping fit. So um, that's kind of how we how we how we know what they're doing. They're not doing like the Kevin Thompson challenge, keeping the ball against the wall or that one, sending it into Ovenkran. Is that good, Gaffer? Aye. <laughs> well, well, should I tell you, my, my, my girlfriend, she uh, she used to play for Rangers when she was younger, and they had to like um, you know record themselves in the gym, and you know just to make sure there's evidence that they were keeping up the training and stuff like that. Is that right? That's why they were getting filmed in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, throw up. <laughs> throw up, Chris. Right, so do you think any of the players have tied the wee machine to their dug and just let their dug out in the garden and run about for a couple of hours so it looks as if they're out doing a bit of exercise? No, I don't think so, because some of the things they're doing, I don't even think the dog could do it. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> looking at some of the kilometres there, they're covering some of the guys, and it's, uh, it's quite a fair distance, so um, I don't think so. Peter, how long did it take for you? How long did it take for you to get that accent, man? There's a there's a number of years. There's like you, Alberts, we natural, and there's they, they end up just getting this accent. It's hilarious. They kind of mix a Danish and as as we told says before you come on, what was it Danish? A cross between Danish and Dennis in your your accent. <laughs> um, but of course, in Denmark, you know, if you if you go to Denmark, everybody kind of speaks English. Everybody has to school English over there, and because everything in Denmark is not dubbed like, for example, Germany and France and Italy, they type of countries dub everything over. So movies and everything is in their language. Uh, where Denmark, we don't do that. Denmark has normal American movies, TV shows, just with Danish subtitles. So I learned kind of the normal English and had in school, of course, as a young age since I was about seven. So you had the basics, but. When I came to Glasgow, it was, I think it took me four years to understand the kit man, Jimmy Bell. You know, he was, uh, <laughs> it was ridiculous. It wasn't until I started watching Still Game and Tune the Fast, I got it. You know, when I was, uh, <laughs> that was how I kind of got my accent. You know, I started watching them, especially Still Game. I absolutely love Still Game. So, uh, you know, watch Rubber City, no? Nah, I missed that big man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got a question for you here. Um, it comes, it comes for a friend of mine, Coach Trip. 
Um, he's saying, is it true that you used Thanks, to get commission? Man. Is it true that you used to get commission on the letter and put on the shirts? And is it true that Alex Ray was raging at you? Commission? <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> No, I've never heard anything about that at all. <laughs> See, because that's, that, that's funny, mate. Too, I remember that, but as a young boy, I always wanted Van Bronckhurst in the back of my tap, but there was no way I was uh, I, 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 I was spending all that money. So, But you know what? It made it even better. The best thing that happened was for when Flo came. Flo, FLO, he was only about £6 to get. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, as, as you know, I'm a Celtic fan, and I couldn't afford Jan Venegur a Hesselink. The name cost me everything. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have fitted on your tap anyway, the size. I know. I'd had, I'd had to get the last, I'd had to get the last few letters down on my socks. <laughs> <laughs> Just on the back of your tap, Link. <laughs> Jan. <laughs> so, Peter, how did, how, did, how did you get to the Angels? How did your move to Scotland come about? Um, it was actually quite... Interesting because I was I was a lot of clubs in Denmark at that point uh, when I was playing in Denmark. Um, there was a couple. I think about twelve club, clubs was looking at me the last three games of the season, and it was the likes of Valencia and Inter Milan and um, these type of clubs and, and Newcastle and that. And then I was actually in negotiations with Newcastle. Newcastle was flown over to speak to me and my dad, my agent in Denmark, and uh, we agreed to go to go and watch, like go to see the place at St James Park and all that. Um, and on two days, no, it was the day before we were going to fly. My agent phoned me and said, "I'll go to Glasgow first and then go to Newcastle because uh, Rangers wants to speak to me as well." Um, and I actually went to Rangers and David Murray um, and Brian Loudrop had a big play in me, kind of signing there right, right there and then. And I ended up never going to Newcastle to see the place, and they were absolutely raging, but. Further in the line, I actually went, of course, anyway, but it's, uh, I was very, very close to go there before uh, Rangers, yeah. So, as to- Peter, as you know, obviously, Scottish football's got a rich history of Danish players. We've had, like, Thomas Gravison, Martin yeah. Vickhorst, um, we've had, obviously, Brian Loudrop, yourself, um, Mark Reaper as well. Um, is- How's your Tommy getting on? Yeah, my brother. Aye. Yeah, he's doing all right. He's fine. Yeah, he's doing okay. Is it? Like, see when, see when you signed for Rangers and he signed for St Johnston. Was yeah. he a bit raging? No, he actually signed for St Johnston two weeks before me, before I signed okay. for Rangers. So it was also a big play and why I signed for Rangers because I knew I only had him on like an hour away, and he That's just had it. a play and stuff. So it was having family close by. But I was just moving to my mum's house to move to Rangers. So it was a big move for me. So to have my brother that close was was quite important. So. What was it like when you played against them? Was it? <laughs> I, 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 you know, people have said, I played against my brother since I was five years old. You know, what I mean, uh, he's been two footing me in the back garden. You know, what I mean, from then on. So it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was quite used to these type of things. But also in the pitch, we played a full pitch. We were completely opposite side of the pitch. I was Aye. up front. He was also the up front with the other side. So it was uh, we were playing not kind of up against each other, but. Um, is, 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 of course, it's a special moment for my mum and dad as well to be able to see me and my, the, their two sons play against each other. It was quite special. Especially in the Premier League and yourself playing for such a huge club as Rangers. But yeah. um, after you went, to, after you left Rangers, um, you went to Newcastle. What was it? Was the was there a huge like culture shock there going from the Scottish Premier League to the English Premier League? Because I know that a lot of people say that the Scottish games are a lot faster. So I would think with the game being a wee bit slower and you having the, the pace that you had, you would have adapted to the English game really well. 
Yeah, it, it suited me really well, but I have to say, going from Rangers then to Schalke, then to Newcastle, had that two and a half years in Germany in between, um, also gave me a different culture with them because it was a very much like a counter-attack in football in Germany uh, compared to the physical side in, the, in, in Scotland. Um, and that really suited me well as well in Germany. And then going from that to Newcastle where... Um, it was a completely different bet where you get more time and the ball is more tactical, I would say, in that way. Also suited me really well. So it didn't, it was not like I looked at it as going, or I had to try to find my feet or anything. It was just a matter of going and enjoying it, trying to expose what, you, what you're good at and, and go and get that planted as quick as you can. And that's what, kind of what I did. I tried to do it as quick as I could, trying to get used to the tempo in the, in the football. So I like the way you've just jumped there, uh, for, you know, playing at Rangers and signing for Newcastle, missing out. Uh, <laughs> come on, so Scottish Cup final 2002. We just going to ding you that for you, too, mate. Aye. That's what I was going to say there. Do you know, Peter? I I watched that game with my mates, and it was a it was a mixed household. It was Rangers fans up the stairs and Celtic fans down the stairs, oh. and the Celtic fans had our 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 uh, TV was a wee bit quicker than upstairs so I knew that you had scored before they celebrated so I ran out the house <laughs> so that I didn't need to listen to them that diving header at the death man you scumbaggy yeah, that was one of the best days of my life man one of the best days of my life why don't you just talk us through that goal just talk us through it um, yeah you know, I, I remember the game You know, I was actually having a really good game but it was also playing from a neutral point of view it was a fantastic football game you know, I mean, going back and forward, Celtic going up twice and us coming back and looked like going into extra time. It was just back and forward, back and forward. But we were playing really well. Um, and at the point, going back behind twice when we were playing well was tough. Um, and I remember after we went, after Barry's free kick and we got back to it, um, it was one of the ones where towards the end, <laughs> to be fair, I remember Alex McLeish putting on, I think it was Avalatsit. I've been playing up front the whole game and scoring goals and, and, and looking good and all the rest of it. And then he puts him on and put me wide. I was raging. <laughs> um, and I was, so I was thinking, I'm not having this. So he put me out wide and then with the last couple of minutes to go, kind of the way the build-up was in the game, uh, seeing an opportunity, I thought, nah, I'm just going to get myself in there. Because Avalanche was a wee bit deeper than me. So I thought, you'll cover me there and I'll just run in. And then when Neil McCann threw that ball in, I thought, nah, I'm just going for this. And then, what yeah, a cross it was. Up, so. What a cross. It was an unbelievable cross, perfect. Um, so it was just a matter of trying to get it on target. I actually thought I missed it when I hit it down in the ground. When I was falling down rolling, it looked like it's gone up bounce over. And it wasn't until I came round from a roll and I looked up and I seen it bouncing down. Like, on you go, out to the fans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, get over the to be fair, it must have been quite bittersweet <laughs> for Neil McCann delivering the cross that lost the cup final for his schoolboy heroes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll just ignore him. Just ignore him. Aye. Yeah. I can't, I can't that must have been a... Was a no, to win the title. Is that not right? Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember that. Aye. 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 He, he played brilliant that day. He played brilliant that day. So you think that was a career highlight, Peter, that goal? Um, yeah, looking back, you know, I mean, see at the time when it happened, I was about 23 years old and, you know, I was young and I only been there for three years and it wasn't until... Afterwards, we've seen how, how what it kind of meant to the players, and that's kind of how we realised that year for me, you know, scoring five goals against Celtic in one season, and and seeing what that meant to everybody, and all that was what realised for me how big it actually was. Um, and you know, a lot of people don't know this, but I was actually me and my dad were Rangers fans because my dad used to come over and watch 
uh, Gascoigne and Brian Lowder because of Brian Lowder watching them and joking on that. So they, so they were so he always came home and said, oh, "I want you to play in Scotland." And I was like, "Nah, no, nah, I don't want." But so we've always followed Rangers since my Brian Lowder and that. So it was a big deal for me to go and play there in the end. You know, I mean, it's for my dad, it meant a lot to my dad as well. But um, so I was actually a Rangers fan, but didn't know how big it was until you actually scored against Celtic and something that last minute winner like that is just. Now the stories are here from what it meant to people and all the rest of it. It's just special. It's, it's unbelievable. But I, I would say that's one of my best highlights because how much it meant to the club and that. But for me, scoring the Champions League uh, for Rangers, my first goal against Stuttgart and, and also then in the last 16 against Villarreal and stuff like that, these type of things was what I dreamt about when I was a wee boy, you know, being able to play at that stage and scoring in that stage was... That was special for me, really, really special as well. So these are the kind of moments that, was, that means a lot to me. I remember your goal against Porto. That was a great goal, too. The yeah, that was a great goal, man. The ball just bounced there and you dinked in and go it. And then, obviously, that season, how how did that feel that season? Because domestically, we were struggling, but in Europe, yeah. we were flying. And we maybe should have went through against Villarreal when we went earlier. You scored there, there, and then you're thinking, we're going to go, Chris Boyd missed an absolute sitter. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. still can't believe you missed that. But how uh, was that season? How did it feel? Um, yeah, there was a, it was like it was a tough season because, like you say, we were struggling domestically, but uh, in Champions League for some reason we were, we were clicking and it was working for us and we were doing really well. Um, especially the Villarreal game. I remember to be fair, the home game against Villarreal, we were getting absolutely pumped. Really, they were they were Riquelme was incredible, and um, and um, we. I think we were lucky to get away with that draw at home. I would say, looking up, looking back at it, but over there, we were a better team. You know, I mean, we were we were much better over there, and we were. I think it suited us with a smaller pitch because we could actually get right in about it and get after them and that, and give them getting time to play. Um, and like you say, going one 0 up and looking good, and even though when they came back, that Chris Boyd, you would have put your hoods on him scoring I that. Know. You I know, still can't believe it. Even when I talk about it, I still can't believe it. One of the best goal scorers, you know, in the Scottish football is to miss something like that in a big, big moment like that was uh, I was hard one to take. It's been so close, and also see how well they did. They went to the semi-finals or something that year, I think. Uh, and you know, I mean, the shows what maybe we could have actually done. So yeah, it was it was a bit it was a gotten one gotten feeling they're not going through. But I mean, uh, Peter, you played you played with some great great players. Uh, Ibrooks, is there any players in particular that you, you trained with and you thought, wow, he is he he's great to play alongside? Is there anything that stick in your mind? I, mean, I always wanted the one to come to this to my mind first. You know, I mean, one that meant a lot to me was was uh, Arthur Newman was one of the one he helped me so much settling in with the, on on the pitch because he just looked after me in that left wing because I was I was a striker getting popped out on the left wing where I'd never played really. Um, and he helped me so much settling in there. I to try and figure out my game. And um, but I was that was a few names. You know, I, mean, I can't just pick one. You know, Barry Ferguson, the way he trained, the way he played, you know, was was incredible. He was an unbelievable player. More than more than on the pitch. Honestly, <laughs> he didn't give the ball. He was raging. <laughs> but you, you learn to manage that and learn to kind of know what he's like. And he just kind of he's just that passionate. But he was some player and. To play alongside him was brilliant. Um, but Avalazzi, Michael Moles, I loved Michael. You know, I mean, how good he was when I played with him, and that was even before, that was after he got injured. How, how good he would have been before that. Was, mm-hmm. I mean, he was some player, but some guy as well. There's too many names. You know, I mean, <laughs> you look at the names I've played with from Broncos and Alberts, and 
you know, I mean, the players are just were unbelievable. Uh, you know, I mean, it was a lucky, I was lucky, lucky, lucky boy to be able to play with these guys. So, yeah. Great days, great days. <laughs> do you um, do you have you talk talk us through um, playing in an old firm game, Peter? How was that? It was an end of it to pull you aside when you first got there to go right. This is it down. This is what happens in these games. Um, it wasn't really um, like. Yeah, of course, players you know on the pitch, you know, building up to the game, like the Arthur Newmans and Barrys and, and Alberts, for example, as well, was a big one as well. He, you know, I mean, they were trying to talk you and help you through it. But I remember my first old firm experience was a terrible one. You know, I mean, we, the one we lost six two at Parkhead. Um, oh, it was, uh, and I was, <laughs> I remember it though that we were three 0 down after about twenty minutes, and then yeah. Uh, I was a 12-minute item. <laughs> <laughs> Have a guy tells me to go and warm up. So I was actually warming up the whole game. Whole game. Like, whole first half. After that, they went to the up. Every time he kept sending players down and warming up next to me and putting them in front of me. I warmed literally up the whole game. I had no exercise doing it. And I was literally just stretching and looking around and no idea what to do. Um, but it was quite a... So we were experiencing a terrible one because of the result uh, as well. Um, uh, we should have had a goal to go back to three each as well. They got disallowed. It should have been disallowed. It could have changed the game, but it didn't. And we went on to lose 6-2. But and of course, enough, we about that. enough about that. What was your dressing room like after that defeat, Peter? I was, it was horrible. You know, I mean, it, was, it was pure down. I was a young boy as well. I was 20 years old. You know, when you're sitting in there, and it, was, it was a hard one to, to, to take. But you're kind of not, I'm not saying anything. I'm sitting in there new to this place and, you don't know really what to do, and it's more the experienced players who's who's vocal and the coaches and managers and that who's speaking, and um, it was just a really down. You know, I mean, that's the, when you go to something like that and lose six two is uh, that's a hard one to take, and you know, I mean, everybody's gonna feel that, and we did definitely did. The dressing was was not good. So, how did how uh, did it compare to the the northeast derby down in England? Uh, <laughs> A lot. I've been asked that everywhere I've been. You know, I mean, I'm going to Schalke and Dortmund. Schalke is massive derby as well, and going to then the Newcastle Sunderland is there's nothing compared to the old firm. You know, everybody thinks oh, just as big and all the rest of it, but they're not. You know, I mean, there's not even. But I would say Newcastle, Sunderland is closest the ones I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's a that's a big rivalry as well, really big. But um, I'll still say old firm is still ahead. Miles ahead. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was, it was. I was watching Sunderland till I die last night. Um, have, you, have you caught that, Peter? I've seen, it. I've seen the first season, and I'm actually just starting the second season. Even though right. Newcastle, love man, it. and I mean, I, I, I just love their programs. They're the same on the Amazon. I love all the all or nothing programs that are the sports for my coaching yeah. development as well. I watch all these programs, and it's really good. So yeah. the, the the Man City one's great, but I like the Sunderland one just because oh, the, 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 it just shows you the way that club was run and. I've got to admit, the star of season one was Martin Bain. He was like David Brent, and every <laughs> season would have a different Rolex. What was he like to deal with personally? Uh, I had, of course, I had Martin Bain, that Rangers. He was the one when I signed, you know, that was that was there. But, you know, I, I didn't really have much contact with him. And anyway. you spoke with him and you, you seen him at the training ground and, or the stadium or whatever it was, but it was not. I didn't really have personal time to deal with him in any way like that because it was more my agent. If there was any contract talks, it was him, and um, so I didn't really have a have a chat with him in, in many ways like that. But he was okay with me. So never went for a never went for a couple of sunbed sessions with him or anything like that. No, <laughs> I had my own session going. My tan back then, I was absolutely fine. My own tan. 
She getting getting to that point, right? That's a true story. I went to La- I went to college with Alashi, right? And she was a Celtic supporter. And then when you signed for Rangers, she fancied you that much that she's a Rangers supporter now. That's a true story, by the way. Support Rangers now, she's a fancy Peter Lovingcrans. Now she supports Rangers reserves because he's a manager. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a great that's a great job for you, Peter. You're, you're, you're back at the club that you love uh, doing the reserve stuff. Is uh, um, I mean, how, how did that come about, be, be getting the reserve gig? Um, it was actually quite interesting because I was I got a phone call from Stuart Robinson who actually wanted me to go and speak to Pedro about the assistant job for Pedro Cassini. Um, oh, Jonathan Johansson, go, that one? Yes. And ah. So we all went for interviews for that. I was there and, and that's, I apparently heard about my interview with, uh, with uh, Cassini and really liked it and wanted to speak to him himself. Um, and at that point, I was doing a lot of TV stuff, like commentating and stuff for games. Um, so he asked me to come in and have a chat with him. So I came in and he just said that he wants me to start, see if uh, what was interesting, starting with the 15s. But at that point, to be fair, I was, I, I couldn't see myself coaching at the, the younger boys at 15s. We had, I thought I would struggle with that, um, with, the, with the younger kids. But um, I actually thought, no, I'll give it a chance and see how it goes. And it was mostly night trainings and that three times a week. And... Um, I just I could still do my commentating things at the same time, and so I just to give it a go, and I actually loved it. Um, and quite quickly, I got moved up and helped with the 16s, and then quickly after that, I, I helped a little bit with the 18s. But then it was really I was only thinking a year and a half, a year and a bit. Uh, I was in there, and I got moved up and part of the reserve squad. Um, and that was me and Billy Kirkwood when Graham Murphy got moved up to the first team. It was kind of us. Uh, who was, who was uh, doing the, the reserve and then Billy Kirk was then been moved up to, to the lone players, uh, the first team. So um, that kind of mean that I got it. I've been in there. So I've been in there quite a while now and it actually quite quickly came from 15s all the way up to the reserve. So uh, that was quite good. You, do you want to be the Rangers manager one day? Um, oh, I want to be a manager for definite. Um, I want to be my own manager. Um and of course, Rangers. I would never say I, I would never turn that job down in a million years. Um, but it's too far for me to look for right now. Uh, I would never sit and look at myself going, oh, "I want to be a Rangers manager now." I got a lot to learn still, and I need to develop um, as a manager. And um, of course, if something happened and I had to go in and be whatever it was, if it was a caretaker, whatever it was, I would never turn that down, and I would go and do the best that I could to my abilities, um, and hopefully developing the job. But um, I would definitely want to be a manager, but I don't know if Rangers would be the first one. But hopefully down the line, it will be definitely one of them. So what about, say, say you get promoted tomorrow, right? They give you the Rangers manager's job tomorrow. Right. What, one of the, what one of the younger players that you currently play on the reserves team would make the step up? Who would you, who would you take with you into the first team squad? Um, that's to be fair. There's a few boys that's doing really well, but the two guys right now that I, I, for me, is doing extremely well and deserve. I think Nathan Patterson, our right back, he is uh, he's developing extremely well, uh, physical as well, um, and he's close with that. I think he's actually getting up to the first team squad anytime soon, so um, he'll be one. And I think Kai Kennedy as well, our, our front player. He's He's been unbelievable for us, uh, for the reserve team. There's been lots of players been good, but he's been really special for us as well. And 
these two are probably the ones that will be that's closer to the first team at the moment. Um, but hopefully there'll be a lot more to come. Patterson's going to be a right back for years to come, I think, isn't he? Yeah, he, he reminds me so much of Alan Hutton. Alan Hutton does his shape the same way. He's pure athletic, tall, and has that dynamic that Alan Hutton has to. And uh, um, that, I, I can definitely see him down the line being, being the Rangers, with, Rangers right back at one point. What a job, just in there with a the young, just that's a great job. <laughs> it's a good the, job, yeah. Seeing the, seeing the future of the club coming through, man. Brilliant. Yeah, that's good. But it's also pressure, you know, we want to get them through. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's not about for us, it's not so much, yes, you want to win every game as a Rangers uh, player and as a Rangers coach, but for us, it's trying to get these first team players, you know, I mean, we need to get these young boys off to the first team, and that's the main problem. And that's the main objective of what us is to do that, is trying to push as many forwards as we can up to the first team to help the first team out. How about. How is your, your your communication with Stevie G, Peter? Is it um, is it daily? Is it do you meet up with him every every other couple of days just to kind of brief him on what's happening? Is it a, a good relationship you've got there with the man? No, we got a huge respect for each other. We've got a good relationship that way, and we we speak when we see each other in the corridors and when there's meetings and stuff like that. But you know, I mean, he's got so much on his plate. I'm not gonna text him every day and asking things and you know these type of you know you need to let the man be and he has so much pressure on him to, to do a job for Rangers so that's what we need to do so you just leave him to do do these things but I, I communicate a lot with Michael Beale as well and um, he's he's been fantastic for me as well and for us as well um, the communication between the first team and the reserves so um, but of course we also we got staff games we play staff games in behind closed doors we haven't had one for a while of course because of all this but also before that but that that's normally hilarious and brilliant, and we have a good laugh for doing that. Oh, so you all play? Yeah, so we all play. So we like uh, the manager and Michael Beal and McAllister at times, and then me, Kevin Thompson. Now he's no. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Bob's face. Look at Bob's face, man. You're you're buzzing, aren't you? Ah, it's brilliant. I don't mean it's an opportunity for me to play with Stephen Gerrard as well. I'm buzzing. We're playing against Russell Kerry, the hairdresser. He's uh, he's he's got a team, so they come in um, because he caught Russell caught everybody's hairs in the club and all the first team and players and all that. So they come in and we play them. It's hilarious, you know. What I mean, they they are actually in the beginning they were a wee bit standoffish at times because of the the, the manager and, and and me and didn't want to tackle us. But now they they get writing about it and it's proper the proper competitive. So it's uh, it's quite funny. Yeah. I think we've not we not lost. I've not lost a game. We've not lost him yet. I think, but it's still. I listen, see, be honest with you, Peter. Use your ex-pro football. See if you're losing a game to a bunch of hairdressers or something for a fucking. <laughs> <laughs> it's only one of them. It's not all of them. It's just one of the guys. <laughs> he just runs the show. He's the manager of the team. Plus, he's the, stri- the striker for them. But that's it. The football daft team should get a wee team together, man. We should go out and play them. Uh, uh, we we'll play. You need to get a lot more bodies, though. <laughs> John, I mean, if a couple of barbers can get the show, we can get in. Come on, you know, no wrestling moves, mate. You can't, you can't say two players. I I put him in a tombstone or something. Let me be grateful, but that's all I'll say. See that bit in Sonic the Hedgehog where he rolls up into a ball and flies at people? That would be me. <laughs> Peter, that I must admit, I remember uh, playing in that charity game that we both done as well, and I remember you coming up to me and talking to me about talking to me about Bret Hart, man, and it just filled my heart with love, man. I was like, wow, Peter, loving kind of wrestling. 
Oh, I loved it. Oh, I grew up in wrestling. Bret Hart and was massive for me. I was the guy I was, and, and in the Rock, of course, was the ones. But uh, I love Ultimate Warrior as well and the Hunter Taker. They were my guys that I was a big into. But Bret Hart was number one. Tell us a wee bit more about your time at Newcastle, Peter. That interests me. Um, I, I have to say, I, I absolutely loved every every part of that. My four years in Newcastle was amazing. I had some lows because my dad passed away when I was halfway through the season in, in the championship. But from then on, it just it just kicked on, and it was I just also outside of football, the, the way we kind of socialised uh, my wife and my kids, and how we settled in it's in the city was was quite quite amazing. You know, um, we, I loved every minute of it, um, and really Newcastle got a big part of my heart as well with football because what the fans did for me that night, where I, two days after I lost my dad and I scored. Um, I will never, never forget it and every time I talk about it I still get goosebumps you know because the, 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 I've never heard a roar like that before in my life in a stadium for just for them kind of showing their appreciation to me after I scored you know it was it was quite incredible and, and for that I will always be thankful for them and you know even to this day if you still see sometimes on my social media they still sing my song in Ray for Games that's you know I mean, it's 10 years ago since I played there like 8 or 9 years ago so and they still sing my song going away games at times, you know, it's just amazing. So they, they got a big part yeah. of my, my football heart as well, yeah. Do you, do you know what I can always remember? When you played for Newcastle, it felt like every transfer window, we were always going to try and re-sign you. Was there ever any whispers of you coming back to Rangers at that point? Um, no, there was, there was always talks, and I always heard that. There was talks about it. Um, there was a lot of talks about me going back. Every time there was a transfer window, I, I kept getting linked to coming back. Um, but no, there wasn't there, there, there wasn't any truth in it at any point. Uh, of it wasn't close at any point for me to come back. It wasn't until I kind of stopped and we were, we were, I was almost finished my after Birmingham. Um, I went back to train with Rangers for a couple of days, but it wasn't because I was signing. It was just because uh, Fernando Rickson's game, the testimonial at Ibrox, were coming up, and nice. I trained with him for a wee while, and I had a I had a chat with Kenny McDowell. But at that point. Um, Alan McCoy just put on garden leave and it was Kenny McDowell was then in charge and it was a bit of a turmoil kind of thing and that it was probably the closest I've been to that point but it never kind of came around and it never happened in any way it was just uh, I just kind of kept myself fit for two weeks to play the game and that was kind of it that was the closest I've probably been to be back When you played in England everybody always goes on about the championship being such a difficult league and you won the promotion that year how hard yeah. was that league? Uh, it is it is extremely hard. Um, it's so tough because of the amount of games there is as well. Um, you play a lot more. Um, it's a lot you more. Play basically every midweek, don't you? Yeah, exactly. It's that a Tuesday or Sunday, Wednesdays type of thing all the time, and you know it's it's really tough. And you need a big squad. You need a you need to play a lot as well. You need to have a, a squad that can keep themselves fat. You know that you don't have many injuries, and if you do, you need people to step up and. We, we just had a really good squad. To be fair, though, if you look at our squad that went down from the Premier League to come to be in the Championship, we had a lot of pressure on us as well to actually go back up again because of the, the kind of players we managed to keep and the, the wage bill and the rest of it that probably would have been as well. So it was it was, uh, it was was a lot of pressure. Um, but we, we, we stood up to it and I think um, we were just relentless. You know, we're getting 102 points. Is not many teams goes over 100 points in the championship, and we got 102. You know, it shows. I think we lost two games the whole season, and you know, we were we were we were just strong and relentless and kept pushing through. And um, it was it was great to be part of. To be fair, great to be part of that type of type of thing to experience as well. Mm-hmm. 102 points in the championship. I, that's naming feet. 
I know, I know. It's uh, that's quite quite impressive. Um, but <laughs> I remember last, I was actually going into the last game of the season. We had a 99 points against QPR away, uh, and I was on the bench and they put me on and I scored in one one nil. And I so I scored the goal that got us 102 points. Exactly. <laughs> 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 quite proud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was actually it was, it, it was a, because of Newcastle. It was quite a funny with me and Chris shooting because looking back now as a manager, now and myself being a coach and that, um, I had a lot. Me and Chris Shooting was so, we had so much respect for each other and we had such a good relationship. Uh, also, what he, what he did and helping me with my dad. But it was funny though because he only played me started me at home games. It was. I had. I had this, and I had. I had to keep knocking on his door every weekend, every week, because every time he had an away game, I was on the bench, and every time I was at home, I started and I kept scoring, but he didn't start me away from home. And I was like, "How the hell can I score at home every game, and you keep me putting me on the bench at away games?" And he was basically because we were playing a more compact, not with two up front. So me and Andy Cal were up front on a on a home game, but he was playing with Kevin Nolan and a shadow striker behind him uh, instead so more compact midfield and now as a coach I get it I totally get it it's tactical away from home nice. doing it that way but it was frustrating as hell being a player doing well and you couldn't even start an away game and I think he started me right. twice away and I scored in both of them the Middlesbrough was one of the smaller derby and I scored in that goal game went to home game I scored and then again next week game again I, I, I was on the bench I was like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> but it was it, it was just tactical genius from him in a way and he also had to then try to manage me because how do you manage a player who's doing so well but you kind of play him because for the team so you have to I had to accept that it's better for the team that way and that was fine you know and he was so good at managing me with that and, and that's why I got a lot of respect for him and what he had to do because that's no easy and I've been there now myself that it's no easy to do that and he was he was really good at that you have played under some really good managers Pep, your Pardews and Keneals Shearers is there any Manager that you can, uh, you mould yourself. You know, you take ideas or stuff that you learnt from managers over the years that you've, you're implementing. Where well, they've I'm taught you. That question. I actually try and take a wee bit from everybody. I have to be honest. You know, I mean, you take I take a wee bit for every coach. You know, I mean, there's certain bits that I think the coach that uh, I really liked the way he did this. For example, Alan Pardew, I thought was tactical, really good. I really liked working with him, where and also how him and Chris Shooting, both of them, tactically and also their player management was really, really good. So these things I would take from them too, probably. And then as McLeish had other things, um, preparation, tactical stuff as well. Morden Olsen, Danish national team coach, you know, I mean, who I was uh, basically, sorry, my language, shit scared of, you know, I mean, in a way he was so intimidating, <laughs> but he was such a good coach, but he was very intimidating and, I didn't. I didn't have a good relationship. We had a kind of love hate relationship um, kind of thing. But a lot I would take from him. But then the stuff you do, you wouldn't. So you know, I mean, if you're trying to understand, just, I would pick certain things. I would probably look at and from each coach and try and implement that into myself and make my must be myself my own coach. What What's your favourite dinner? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can answer that first. Advocate, then answer your favourite dinner. Well, advocate, advocate. What was he like? Was he quite scary? Was he quite uh, yeah, He was called the general, so that pretty much tells you, you know, he was, uh, he, he was, but, you know, like a lot of people would say that because, but for me, I've seen a different side of him at, uh, at one point, you know, I mean, he was very intimidating as well. He was one of the guys where, you know, you seen him in the corridor, you put your head down, you said, good morning, and, you know, I mean, there was not, Aye. you wouldn't have an argument with him in that way, but I had a I had a experience with him in in, uh, in Florida in pre-season where I've had my first season at Rangers. If you didn't know, I, I pulled my hamstring three times, um, and I came back 
to this pre-season and I was so frustrated because of my first season and you want to go and show what you can do and you're so desperate to impress and and everybody had put it all the new live drop and all the rest of it the pressure on me was I felt was really ridiculous you know I mean I had to come out saying I, there's no way in hell I can try to be Brian Loudrop you know I mean he's an absolute legend in, in Denmark and on his own he's an absolute legend so he's a role model for me so uh, I had to deal with that and I felt that pressure on me and I kept pushing myself too much and too fast Every time I came back from injury, I kept pulling my hamstring because I wasn't ready. But I was that desperate to get back. Um, and I remember then in Florida, I pulled it again with five minutes to go in a training match. Literally five minutes to go, I pulled it again for the fourth time. And uh, and I remember sitting outside the change room and I was in tears, uh, bets just by myself in a corner. Um, and he came out and he seen me sitting and he came over and he gave me a big cuddle and put his hand around me and kind of said to me, the, you know, when you've got so much time, don't worry about it, you're still young, you know, got plenty of time and you'll get you right and all this kind of gave me this encouraging talk and that was a side to him that a lot of people wouldn't have seen and no one knows about but I, I kind of got that by, you know, I mean, the situation I was in and just showed how good he was as kind of also managing players so I got a really special thing with him with that. Hey, that's again that man management side that you wouldn't think you'd see for him, it's more kind of disciplinary, more yeah. discipline me advocate but the man management yeah. Yeah. as well that's a nice touch yeah it was it definitely was and uh, what's no, your favourite dinner I've had you see favourite dinner it's bad it's a Danish dinner I got I got oh tell me um, it's actually it's now my wee girl's my oldest girl she says her favourite dinner now as well it's actually in, I'll pronounce it in Denmark in Danish first right and then I'll explain what it Whoa. is it's called stick flesk or pasilla sauce Right. Oh, stick fish up a super Oh, it's a stick of fish in a silly sauce. <laughs> but it's actually it's fried pork. So it's pork uh, that's fried and grilled in the in the oven to this proper crispy. And uh, so right. pork belly slices, proper thin slices. And you normally in Denmark you go into the restaurant, you get it, and you can eat as much as you want. So you get a big, big, big plate, and it's lying there, and then potatoes with parsley sauce. So it's big. Oh. It's oven potatoes and parsley sauce to dip into it, um, and it's basically in the restaurant you eat as much you can for like a ten or thirteen pound, and you can eat as much you want. It's unbelievable. So, it's one of my favourite. So do you make? Do you make it in the house? Yes, I make it in the house. I can buy it. I, I have to buy it in the shop, but I have to slice the slices myself. In Denmark, you can buy it in the supermarkets already sliced, and you just shove them in the oven. But here, they don't because it's not a, a, a dinner you get here. I have to buy the pork belly slices myself and slice them thinner, um, and then then cook it. But um, you know, my yeah, no, loves it. Do you need to give me the link to that? In, the name of that? I'm going to look that up. I think you can't. There's, there's no spices that you put on it that you can get for IKEA or anything like that. No, is it just you've got to make it yourself? <laughs> <laughs> IKEA. He's Danish, not Swedish, so. It's very easy to make though. It's very easy. <laughs> It's the Scandinavian bit, you know, I mean, Sweden, Denmark, you know, but even though we have it's, it's still, <laughs> we can do yeah. it. I'll let you get me with that one. Question. Go. We're, in a, we're in isolation now, obviously, nobody's going out the house and all that. Yeah. How many times have you watched your winning goal against Celtic in the cup final when you've just been bored in the house? Let's be truthfully honest here, right? I've... Not only because we're in isolation, I watched that go all the time, even before. <laughs> 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 it's, 
it's, uh, it's not to do with this, this corona stuff, you know what I mean? It's been going on for a few years. Peter, how often do you watch your old firm debut? Uh, I've not seen that much. Uh, I, I don't even think I remember when it was anymore. Actually, I, I, I kind of erased that. But, but to be fair, though, if you remember, if you've seen my wee tweet uh, the other day, though, that on Sunday at four past seven, get it taped on the TV, BBC Scotland, the whole fam, the whole cup finals on. Don't worry, it's already game. done. We are steak slackish off. See that cup final. How how terrifying is it playing against Bobo Baldi? To be fair though, I think he was more scared of me that coming to that bit of game and also scored against at that point. Aye, Peter, you've been absolutely fantastic. We're gonna to need to do the quiz now. So every week on Football Daft, we put our football guests football knowledge to the test with our 90 second quiz, right Peter? Now, there's a leaderboard, I mean currently at the top of the leaderboard is Barry Ferguson. Oh wow. He's got points. The bottom is David McCracken for Falkirk. He's only got one point. He was murder. Alan Archibald, he's second with 11. Ian Murray, he was on last week, he got seven. And Lee Muller, Jordan Young and Bob Malcolm, they're on six. So, do you think you can beat them in particular? So that's Barry's own 12, Brax's own 1, Archibald 11, Murray's own 7, Bob Malcolm, Jordan Young, Lee Miller own 6. Surely you can try and beat 6 anyway. Um, and you've got to give an answer. It, even if it's the wrong answer, you've got to give an answer. Nay passing, and you've got 90 seconds. Nay passing, <laughs> okay. You ready, mate? <laughs> right. Are you ready, Pete? So young, young Bob here is going to do the questions. Okay. And if John, the producer, has a time and a clock, we will get firing on. Okay. You ready, Peter? Hey, Bobby. Here we go. Name the current Sheffield United boss. Oh, I can't. I can't remember his name. I can't remember it. You need to get an answer. I bet. Um, John Marshall. I don't, I don't know. Which which club formed in the nineties won the Scottish Cup in two thousand and fifteen? These are hard. Who was manager of Scotland at the 1978 World Cup? Oh, no idea. Uh, Walter Smith. <laughs> Who did you score your first Newcastle hat trick against? Uh, Plymouth. What's Airdrie's nickname? Airdrie's nickname. Um, um, no idea. The, the ship club. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the current number nine for Rangers? Uh, Jermaine Defoe. Queen of the South playing which Scottish town? No idea. Uh, no idea. How many caps did you get for Denmark? Uh, 22. Manager of Air United. Oh. Uh, no. Um. No. In what year did Rangers last win the Premiership? Oh, that'd have been uh, 2009. Time! Time's up, Peter. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> you did alright, Peter. You did okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Well, We'll run through the wrong answers. The current Sheffield United boss is Chris Wilder. 
the club that were formed in the 90s uh, won the Scottish Cup in 2015. That was Inverness Cali. This all, uh, Ali McLeod managed the Scotland team in 1978. Uh, Airdrie's nickname's not the shit club, it's the Diamonds. <laughs> shit, not shit. Shit club, all right, okay. Uh, Queen of the South play in Dumfries. You, uh, yeah. The current Air United manager is Mark Kerr, and Rangers last won the chip in 2011. So you're not bottom of the leaderboard, but you're not far off it. You scored three. Uh, I bet one or two. I thought that was alright. <laughs> that was that was well done, mate. No, I mean... <laughs> that's pure <laughs> light. That's pure <laughs> light. <laughs> Brilliant, Peter. Right, Peter, we're going to need to wrap this up, mate. Is there anything you want to tell your fans? Um, no, just stay safe, stay home, and stay safe. You know that's that's what it's all about. You know, stay home and uh, save lives. So that's what we need to do at the moment. So as long as everybody's okay and safe, that's that's all I'm asking right. at the moment. So. Great words from the great Peter Lovenkrans, a hero. Football daft. With G4 Claims. Been involved in a road traffic accident? Get them now at notatfaultclaims.com. All right, troops, it's been another fantastic episode. Peter Lovenkrantz was a great guest. Next week, Toll Promises, a Celtic legend. Yes. Intrigued. Yes, I can't wait. It's intriguing. If we pull this one off, it'll be a good one. Telling you. Aye. What are you going to do for the rest of the day, Toll? Hey, I'm going to watch Sunderland until I die. Yes. Yep, definitely get that done. And you, Bob? I am going to probably do the same. I'll sit with the Waynes through well, then I'll watch Sunderland until I die as well. Yes. Well, Troops, thanks very much for listening to Football Daft. You've took your advice. Hopefully, you keep it and you run with it and you stay in the house and listen to my podcast. Rate and review us on iTunes or whatever you hear us, see us, listen us. Take care. And again, we'll see you next week. Guys, we've been daft, we've been football, we've been football daft. See you down the road. Audio Frontier.